Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun informal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. When we were in Orlando to see the new, at the time, Harry Potter exhibit, we got these special tickets so we could show up at the gate before the park opened. And I was so excited for Harry Potter. We raced through. No one was even in the park. We got the early tickets and raced through. And the way that they create these lines now, the lines, waiting in line is part of the experience of these attractions. Gringotts, you know, the bank, the bank with all the gnomes, those, that was the experience. But since there was no line, we were racing through. We didn't get to enjoy it. So I took my camera. It was one of those, my phone, which, which was at the time in one of those wallets where, you know, you have your credit cards and stuff. And I took my phone and I was trying to take a picture of Gringotts because I wasn't able to really experience it at all. And we got on the rides and it was so cool and so exciting. And the first couple of spins and I was like, uh, oh, this is not going to be pretty. I was so sick. And by the time we got off the ride, before the park had even had an inclination of opening, I was done for the day. And I could barely make it out of the park, back into the bed where I was so motion sick and missed the whole thing. But the cool thing I was excited to find out was, what did it look like? I could look at my phone and see at least what Gringotts looked like. So at least I could have some experience having missed the whole rest of the day and all the attractions. So I pulled up my phone and it was just black screen with nothing. It turns out that one of my credit cards had inched, <laughs> had inched its way up and covered the aperture of the camera. So not only did I not even enjoy seeing Green Gods for real, like as in a real experience, because I was so busy taking a picture that I didn't even look. I was just looking through my camera. I couldn't look at my camera, the information from my camera to enjoy it. I missed the whole ride, the whole theme park, and the whole trip, which the only thing I was really looking forward to was Harry Potter, was a bust. <laughs> and I remember thinking afterwards, which comes to the curiosity bite, what is the right ratio of documenting to experiencing life? At my tournaments, my speech and debate tournaments, that is a topic that people talk about a lot. How are they thinking about it? Are they thinking about how many times you post to social media? Or are they talking about what you're missing when you're completely looking at life through the lens of what am I going to post? How is this going to be seen? Which one are they? I think both, but I would say the latter probably more frequently, which is funny. It makes me think of anchors of memory. What's anchors of memory? Oh, it's this cultural expert talks about how we have to document. It's basically about documenting life and why we have to document life. So if you, if you think about life as an ocean, all your ex life experiences is this big ocean, then the anchors of memory would be the little bits of sand or the little islands 
in the ocean. And you stop at those islands. To, are, are those islands representative of things that we've documented? Yes, exactly. So that you can stop in your ocean and and then you're able to have those memories of experiences. Because if you didn't have those, then perhaps you would forget some of those important moments, or you might even just see them as just sort of mundane recollections, and you wouldn't be able to experience in memory those interesting things that happen in life. I wonder if that's the same thing as my guru, Daniel Kahneman, explains. Oh, him again. Him again. My Daniel (laughs) Kahneman. love him. I do. I do. And I even loved him before he won the Nobel Prize. But he talks about the difference between the experiencing self and our remembering self and how that affects our perceived happiness differently. And he says, we don't choose between experiences, we choose between memories of experiences. Even when we think about the future, we don't think about our future normally, as in the experiences, what's going to actually happen. We think about the future in terms of our anticipated memories. What will we remember about this trip? What will we remember about this adventure? And, you know, so many times now I am ex- traveling, adventuring, and I, I have to be consciously thinking, Becky, just look to see what you can notice, that you can notice in that moment. And then, of course, I'm like, oh, but I want to show you, for example, where we need to go next, or <laughs> I want to show my friends on Facebook. They really need to make an effort to get here. But then I would go back to something that you told me that I remember and think about all the time. And when you were working at the long-term care, long-term facility. care facility, long-term <laughs> care facility, and working with a lot of the people with memory issues and dementia, mm-hmm. you were having a party and I was the cocktail, the bar, the bartender, which I love. Always. Always. And you were furious with your staff because there were, you had all these really elaborate table decorations and a couple of the table decorations didn't have the doilies or some feature that you had on these <laughs> other tables. You were being so anal and nicely, but barking at your staff and racing around trying to make sure that the tables were consistent. And I was looking around at these people and there were a lot of people that were at best spaced out. And I thought, how, what the hell? Like, why do you care that these tables don't have doilies? And I said to you, why are you getting so worked up over the fact that these tables don't exactly match? First of all, I don't even have dementia yet. And I wouldn't have even noticed the difference. And why are you making this ruckus about, (laughs) this big ruckus about these tables? And you said, all they have is now. Yeah. And I said, well, they won't remember tomorrow. I said, but you said, but all they have is now. And then you said in one of your furious but brilliant moments. I hate that you say I was furious. It makes it seem like I was this tyrant. I was a little miffed. <laughs> you were a little miffed. You, in, tr- in truth, I've seen you furious. You were a little miffed. You weren't, uh, you weren't furious. Uh, yeah, That's okay, not, thank you. Yeah, okay, I'm overstating it. But you, I was surprised that you were mad at all. That was, what was yeah. so weird. Yeah. And then you looked back at me and you said, As a matter of fact, that's all any of us have. And I remember thinking, I'm going to have to go behind that bar and take a little swig to just digest that. That was one of the times where I thought, my little sister is sage. I am so smart. You are. Wow. (laughs) Yes. But it's true. It is absolutely true. And I believe that with all my heart. It's funny that you say that because we're talking about how much to document and how much to live, right? Or what what is, yeah, what is. And at that same long-term care facility, I happened to have one of those slideshows on my computer. 
What the ones that pop up and you're yeah. like, how did it get up there? Exactly. <laughs> and it was of my peeps. I call them my peeps, as you know. And I put them on the big screen, just uh, randomly brought a bunch of folks out to watch this slideshow that popped up. And honest to God, they had sparks of memory. By looking at those photos, certain things sparked a memory. So those were little islands for them. Mm. So I can, as much as I <laughs> might have been a sage at the time and said that these are the only moments they have, there is some validity to documenting. Because when I was able to show them those pictures, there was a spark of memory, which I had never thought to do. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. When people talk about what posting on Facebook or sharing on social media does, so much of it centers around the dopamine yeah. and how it activates the reward center, our, our nucleus accumbens. But what we don't read about is what that does for our memories. We think about that in terms of the douchebaggery of sharing every little aspect of our lives mm -hmm. and how we need that affirmation to go on and how we get addicted to the dopamine of likes. I mean, there's so many studies that said one of the, I remember the Pew Research Center surveyed thousands of Americans about their social media and discovered that I think 44% of Facebook users like content posted by their friends at least once a day and 29% reported doing it several times a day. And it supposedly affirms not only sharing, but responding to other people's documentation seems to affirm something about ourselves. Which is weird. I never thought about the affirmation or the like or a comment would do anything for us. We think that that's just being generous. Yeah. Well, one thing it does for us that we may not be aware of has to do with the algorithms. And I always tell people and myself, and one of the things that it was saying about people's likes is what the algorithms can determine by people's likes. This is just likes. This isn't a picture. Now, if a picture paints a thousand words, but a like can determine via algorithm, predict whether someone is white or African-American with 95% accuracy whether they were a gay male with 85% accuracy, whether they identify as Democrat or Republican with 85% accuracy, and even predict gender. Gender is 93% accuracy and age 75% accuracy simply by our likes. Unbelievable. What can the algorithms predict about photos that we share or how we document life? While we're planting those little sand islands in the ocean of our experiences so we can go jump from island to island to help make our memories more salient, we're giving a lot of interesting juice to the algorithms that can help nudge us in all kinds of ways, ways we may not have ever even dreamed of. I mean, I'm not surprised that you can predict a lot about ourselves or others by their likes, but it's just shocking that they do. You mean to, to hear it in statistics, yes. to hear that it actually happens? Yes. I think so many people think that documentation is more innocuous than it is. What do people report? Do you have any lists? Of course I do. I was always... Of course, I, I actually have two. Today. Two lists today? Two lists. All right, bring them on. Well, we were talking about why people like to share, which isn't necessarily the document part. It's the sharing of the documentation. Wait a minute. You brought up something really interesting because I was conflating documenting with sharing. But if you think about it back in the day, 
when we documented and that photo went into a box, that was not for, we, I didn't think of taking pictures. When I was in college, I didn't think of taking pictures for how that would seem to other people. I took pictures to create those islands. But right. is it different now? When you look at what you're going to document now, it's really in terms of how it would be seen by, by other others. people to the extent that you're going to share it. So I, I'm curious with you, what percentage of the things do you that you take pictures of? Because you're not the hugest sharer. You share, no. I think you probably less than average. What percentage of the things that you take pictures of do you take pictures of with the idea of how that would be perceived or looked at by others, even a friend, even like Sonny or Ginger or Moses or right. something like that? I don't think I do very often. I think that when I started my little side hustle and when we've started working together, I was more conscious about what other people would see just for a business, from a business standpoint, uh, right? not personally at all. When I travel, sometimes I think to myself, I want to get this picture taken so that I can look back and remember, or I want to take, get this picture taken so I can come back and share it with Jennifer or Barkley or Dane or Stephen or whatever. I probably once in a while think I want to post this on social media. Now, I want to say that my reason would be because I think everyone should come and see this who has the means to see this and those who don't might enjoy I also sometimes like to post like, uh, maybe it's annoying, I don't know, but like a little <laughs> lesson of what I've learned versus look at me here. Well, I mean, uh, for example, your, Jap your Japan trip, that was fascinating. And that was in your last season, right? Was that oh, yeah. Season? Oh, yeah. For uh, Apply Curiosity Lab Radio, we right. did. I did a episode on that Japan trip for people who kind of the ultimate curiosity guide to Japan. I tell you, I read the, because you wrote it up. And you did it on your podcast. It felt like I was visiting Japan. It really did. It well, was because great. we could, because I actually took B roll at that time of the sounds of the monks yeah. and the sounds of the deer. So I think at that time, when I was taking the B roll, I was actually doing that with the intent of creating a podcast for sharing. Yeah. Some of the picture. Yeah, I don't think you. I bet you you're more cognizant of taking things, documenting things for sharing now that we're in business together because Absolutely. of the curiosity quest and the travel is all mm -hmm. part of what we do. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you would be on the spectrum of documenting your life. I, I think you're probably low down on the spectrum. I mean, I don't think I ever was, but it reminds me of Joey when he was getting engaged. When was that? Oh God. I mean, way before the intrawebs for any of this social media stuff. He was proposing to his now wife, and I remember seeing the pictures, and I was shocked. Every single second of the proposal was documented, from the laying of the flowers on the bed to her walking in the door and being surprised, and the view from him being on his hands and knees. So when was it that he actually was in the moment proposing to her. When did was he doing that without a camera in his hand? I don't know. You, I thought it was so weird. Were you thinking it was weird at the time? Yes. Do you think it's, I have to tell you, it doesn't sound that weird to me now. Now in the days of every proposal being documented on social media and 
shared. That doesn't even sound that weird to me. Straight up, it doesn't. In hindsight, does it? I guess I see stuff like that now all the time on YouTube. And sometimes we get so immersed in the documentation story that we don't even think about who's holding the camera. And oh, yes. And even with the guys, the MAGA guys and the Native American, first there was an image, then there was a little video clip. And my first thought, my first thought being a curiosity addict was first of all, who's holding the camera? Mm-hmm. And what happened before and what happened after? I have a hard time being in the moment, even when the moment is being presented to me in documentation. But I think, because I thought to myself, they didn't just emerge face-to-face as a squaring off face-to-face. Someone had to approach someone and who approached whom. And it may be irrelevant to how people perceive this, but I don't think that questioning this is irrelevant to Everything. I think we should always consider who's holding the camera or the guy who had that snake that was crawling all over him and he was really calm. And it, I don't know if you saw that. It went viral. I feel I'm, like I've seen that. Yeah, probably. Who is holding the camera? Well, I mean, you see those YouTube videos of horrible things, people getting beaten up. Who's holding the camera while these horrible things are happening? And certainly not, they're certainly not helping. And so if you are not helping because you're documenting, I think that's where the balance and the ratio of experiencing life to documenting life can get in the way. However, if that documentation provides the only proof and how valuable is documentation going to be when we can alter video? I mean, a picture speaks a thousand words before Photoshop when then it speaks 2000 words because you can alter it however you want. I remember the very first Photoshop that I ever saw, the very first Photoshopped image that I ever saw. I'll never forget. I was a buyer at Myron Frank at the time, and Stephen brought this image, and it was this image of a businessman in a suit and tie, and his head was up his ass. (laughs) And I was like... I, I remember thinking I about think it. I even know the image. I could see it. Yeah, because I was like, follow your curiosity back then. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember saying to Stephen, how did he, what? I had, I had never seen Photoshop before. And when we see videos of presidential candidates or even ourselves where we're saying things in a more eloquent way or in a worse way or in a different way, documentation those islands that you're saying that you create could completely alter reality, even for ourselves. We could start remembering our experiences the way we've photoshopped them, not the way they really were. I mean, think about, I could look at pictures of myself in my 50s and think back when I'm in my 60s or 70s, how good I look, not remembering the fact that I used a filter. I mean, I don't know how to do Photoshop. Believe me, if I knew how to do Photoshop, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be photoshopping <laughs> right and left. Every wrinkle. Can't we, can't we Photoshop in real life? <laughs> exactly. That would be nice. Someday we will. But then I'll look back and think, God, I look good in my 50s. I'm like, no, not really. I just look <laughs> 50s in my 50s. I mean, that's really. Of course, if you're, if you're 85, 90, you'll look at your 50s thinking, why didn't I appreciate how I looked in my 50s? You know, that's what I did when I look back in my teens or 20s. Well, maybe you shouldn't have. I know. You look good now. Well, thanks. So do you. All right. What are the reasons? Give me your, give me your list. So I have two lists. One is uh, reasons why we post. And the fun one is what we should not do. All right. Let's go to reasons why we document. Okay. Is it is it reasons why we document or reasons why we share? Share. share. Reasons okay. why we share. Okay. So, that's, so that means that we documented and then we felt it worthy of sharing. So there's kind of right. two different... 
steps. One of the reasons why people share is to bring valuable and entertaining content to one another. How do we determine what's valuable or entertaining? How do you, how do you determine what's valuable or entertaining? It's all about me, Becky. I decide <laughs> what is valuable and entertaining, and you all have to suffer the consequences. I think that's really probably true, <laughs> that it is all about us. Because let me tell you, some of those things that I have to look at that quickly scroll by, not entertaining, not valuable, but I'm sure they thought it was. What do you, what comes to mind when you hear, when you say that? Something comes to mind. What kind of content comes to mind? You're making, okay, if you, I'm just <laughs> going to, I, I want to tell those who are listening, if you could see <laughs> Jennifer's face right now where she's tr- biting her tongue so, because clearly she has some content that is popping. You don't have to say who it is. Okay, but like nature pictures. You don't like nature pictures? Like little birds and... <laughs> you don't like birds? I like birds. I like birds in real life, not on Facebook or Instagram. But what if they're really capturing like a close-up of some, bu- like like a bumblebee? That's okay, that's kind of ca- cool. Okay, what if it was a praying mantis? Well, that's a whole different story. But like, even when you're taking pictures of the horizon, which I see all the time, of the mountains, it's not as majestic and wonderful on a photo on Instagram or Facebook as it is when you're there. So just enjoy it. You don't need to document it. Although I will argue one thing. Hmm. Evidently, the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights, when you take a photo of it, it does something with the coloration that you do not see with the human eye. And it actually, supposedly, photos of the Aurora Borealis are way more colorful. So people, when they experience it, are very underwhelmed. So there could be some things that are not, especially as we're getting into high def stuff, there could be some things that where you could be wrong about that, where the actual experience of documenting something and the experience that people have by consuming it could be, could allow us to perceive things that we could never perceive with the naked eye. So I take that back. Take, change your mind. <laughs> change your mind. So this one is interesting because it reminds me of Ginger. Ginger's doing an oratory on being stuck in your identity. And when you post or share something about yourself, you get stuck in that identity. Like if at one point you're really conservative, but you grow out of it or you've changed or learned something new. If you share it because you're defining yourself on social media, It's hard to erase that. That is huge. Now, one of the things on the reverse, when you think about the persuasive principle that that represents, which is the principle of consistency, it is a huge tactic. Hmm. And you can actually use that principle. So you could say, hey, you have said in the past that you love helping go grocery shopping for me. So I was wondering when you're grocery shopping, would you mind picking up these few things? By identifying that behavior of asking you me, if I ask you for a favor, that favor is consistent with what you've stated before as something you're willing to do or like to do. I can get you to do something. So that's why you have to be careful about defining yourself when you're sharing, or right? Or to be, well, yeah, or to be aware of the power of consistency. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think if you said in the past, I have shared... X, Y, and Z, which might have led you to believe that I was of a particular political persuasion or that I liked this particular food or that I loved this partner. Now with new information, Mm -hmm. now it's totally fine to change our minds about 
who we married when we get a divorce, but other things, we once we post, that power of consistency is so great that you're right, it does, I think the social media and the public, voluntary public affirmation of who we are makes it really hard to grow and change. The next one is to grow and nourish our relationships. I think of so many people in my past with whom I would have loved to share and nurture a relationship if I had had social media. Pen palling only went so far. Yeah. But when we, for example, when we went to Iceland, we went to this little town of Vic, and one night we were staying in this Airbnb, and it was August, so the sun was up for like 23 of the 24 hours. So it was 2 o'clock in the morning, and you look outside, and it was light as day. Weird. Yeah, and we were there, and I could hear them partying, some of the other people from staying at the bed and breakfast partying outside. So I went outside and started talking to them, and we just ended up just drinking the night away and enjoying each other's company. And at some point after all of the Icelandic, whatever that liquor was, was flowing, we all exchanged contact on Facebook. And how many years ago was that? Three, four, five years ago. I'm still following these people on Facebook. And as a matter of fact, one of the people who I really, really like that we met, uh, actually we met them in Reykjavik. One of the people Stephen is working, is is back and forth with on some potential business ventures. So it's really, I think that the nurturing relationships, and I think it's really common to be snide about it. Yeah. And I think we use Facebook, a lot of people use Facebook and criticize Facebook. We don't recognize how we use it too. Do you use it to stalk people? Sometimes. Who who do you stalk? I have been known. (laughs) (laughs) By whom? By yourself? By myself. (laughs) (laughs) To look at, of course, old boyfriends. Do you wonder if they looked at you? Yes. Aren't you glad that Facebook doesn't have that thing with LinkedIn where they can see who looked? Yes. I would hate that. (laughs) I hate LinkedIn for that, but I love LinkedIn. Who else do I stalk? Mostly, I think, just old boyfriends. I think probably other people, but yeah, mostly that. I'm still in contact through Facebook. That couple that we were in the Philippines with in the forest. Oh, my God. I'm still friends with them. Oh, they travel all the time. But yeah, I know that guy that was like hanging from like a monkey. Oh, I'm on with him, too. (laughs) But I enjoy it. That's pretty cool. And people say, well, why do you want to keep in contact with other people? Because and, and here's my question to you. I know exactly who you're talking about. So we were just to clarify, we were is when we were on that tour in the deep in the Philippine jungle and we (laughs) met that guy who was you were you were pretending. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Oh my god! That's why, why I'm you, laughing. You were hiding in the jungle, like pretending to be what lost, lost, and like pulling. But a, it was like you were white out in the open. We, if you looked at the pictures, which mm. d- talk about documenting, it looked like we were in the middle of the jungle, like a miles know, naked and, miles. and afraid kind of thing. But you look to the side, and it's like grocery stores <laughs> and stuff like that. So. That's what the picture. It wasn't grocery stores. Well, not grocery stores, but it was like it was like a touristy. Yeah, it was a touristy. But there was that guy, and he was hanging upside down, (laughs) pretending to be a monkey. And how do we connect with him on Facebook? Usually, alcohol is involved. I'm sure. No, I don't think. Surprisingly enough, I don't think that it was. It was just, I think, waiting in that long line to get on that to go in the underground river and the and the hot underground, far away jungle can have the same effect as alcohol. And our guard was down and we friended them on Facebook. Now, here's my question. Do you enjoy seeing his posts? I do. Why? Because I wouldn't know this person in any other situation. So that's fascinating to me. The whole Reykjavik thing, 
That's fascinating. And the fact that Stephen has struck up some kind of business deal, that's amazing. That, that never would have happened. No. 20 years ago. It's funny. I'm still really good friends. I have a friend that moved to China. And we talk and communicate and stay in touch just like we probably more <laughs> if she lived here. So that's that's that never would have happened. So yeah. that I guess that's getting off of documenting. But if you don't document your life, if you don't document your life and then share it in any way, you really have no way to to grow and nur nurture relationships virtually, right. I would say. The next one, which is one that really speaks to me because, well, I'll explain for self-fulfillment. So we share information because it allows us to feel more involved in the world, which Kim and I always talk about when we see people that post their pictures of Hawaii and they post this, having a party, going to this, going to that. It's always like, damn. <laughs> you know? So I think. Wait, I, wait, I don't understand. You it's, get depressed because you're looking at all these people posting these wonderful things that are happening and events that they're going to. Do you think that that, because you get depressed more than I do. Yeah. Right. Okay. I so, have depression. Okay. So. so let me ask you this. I am going to be straight with you. I don't feel that way. I, I think it's more common. I think more people feel the way I do than you, though. Really? You're kind of a cold-hearted. <laughs> a cold-hearted But thing. is that cold-hearted? No, no, no. I no. don't begrudge. But you don't. You I don't, don't begrudge as much. I don't think I begrudge as much because I don't have the depression to trigger that. It's not begrudging. I, I, it's nothing to take away from them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a feeling like. Less than for you. I am not a part of this world. I am oh. not. I'm not living life the way I should. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the other person. But when I look at it, I think of, it's more selfish than that. So more self-centered than that. It's. I feel like God, I'm sitting at home doing nothing when everybody else is living life. When you describe that feeling, I don't feel that way. When I see people posting about their trips to Thailand or whatever, I think to myself, oh, I can't wait till they show me pictures of Phi Phi Island or Chiang Mai or I wonder how that looks different than when I was there or oh, it would be so cool to go there one day. I love it. And I actually really like but I don't know if this is the same for other people, when they give a little tiny bit of an education. I have a good friend, Thomas, who travels through Africa. He was thinking about becoming a monk, and he was in Benin, and he was showing all of these photographs of Benin, which is the voodoo capital of the world, and you know how I have a thing for I that. I love voodoo. But instead of just taking the pictures, he kind of does these videos in education. Maybe it has to do with how people post. I was going to say, I would love to see that. And I, and, and I think one time you showed me, one of your friends did a thing where they flew first class. And yes. That was, I think about that all the time. And that doesn't make me feel bad, but it's more just the living life, feeling a part of the world. And then I don't feel that I'm living life and living the part of the world. So I sometimes feel that I have to share so that I feel and people understand that I'm a part of this world, I think. As you feel that way, as you're packing to go to Cuba, so screw you. I know. All right, what's the last okay. one? Uh, the last one is just to get the word out about causes they care about, which we see all the time. Do you ever donate to those GoFundMe things? Do you? <laughs> I think in the very beginning, there were a couple that I did because I didn't understand that this was going to be a trend. I thought that this, and, and that has to do with the impact of the scarce. So at the time when it was scarce and very few people did it, but now with everyone picking a cause for their birthday, absolutely not. I don't know how comfortable I am also about giving money 
over Facebook. It's, you mean financially? That well, exchange. But I mean, yeah, but I mean, you do of course it over I do it for other things. But. Yeah. But that's a data collecting thing. So I also think that as Facebook is collecting data on what we contribute to, they are creating algorithms that can help them understand what we'll buy and what we'll pay for right. and Just what we'll like support. Just like the likes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's not innocuous. Now that is unfortunate because if someone really did have a GoFundMe, how would they get the word out? If I mean, start calling all these people, sending emails to everyone? I don't know. And that's what we used to do. Yeah, but I don't think I've we still... We used to go to our grandmas and our grandpas and ask our friends and neighbors in person. When did you ever go and ask for oh, money in person to your neighbors? A walkathon. Oh, you mean that? Sure. Yeah, I see. Like yeah. ra- campfire girls yeah, and crap like that. campfire girls. Did you make it to campfire girls? I did, but I got kicked out when we went away for a weekend for talking too much, which seemed to be something that I always got kicked out for. Well, at least you flew up to campfire girls. I got kicked out of bluebirds. <laughs> And as a matter of fact, on Facebook recently, Cindy, my friend Cindy, said, remember when we get, got kicked out of Bluebirds? For, see, now that was a moment. That was one of those islands in the ocean because I thought, Cindy remembers that. Yeah. That was really. I have a little a little ditty to sing for you. Okay, sing me a little. Islands in the stream. That is what we are. <laughs> okay, I'm going to pick the karaoke song that you're going <laughs> to sing tonight, and that ain't it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now we have learned about why we post. But now we get to talk about what you should stop doing on social media. Don't do it. Okay, so I'm going to bring it back as you go through these to how we think about documenting. Okay. Because we need to keep in mind the curiosity bite. Right. But I think sharing is a lot to do with documenting life. Absolutely. And I think this is, it will definitely, as you will soon see, play right into your curiosity hands. Bring it. You should never. Stalk the life of a former partner. Now, isn't that what I just said I did? What do you mean never? It says. Why never? Not, okay, never say never, right? Does it say never? It says. Tell me the truth. Does it say never or did you add that? It says stalk the life of. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold please. It says we need to stop doing. Okay, you know what? If you start adding never, I'm going to nail you. Okay, so we need to stop stalking. What? Stalking who? Stalking former partners, the lives of the former partners. Why? Then we keep these necessary, unnecessary attachments that keeps the drama filled with this mental comparison. Is that what you're saying or is that what the article says? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, you broke up for a reason. So don't stalk them. Why not? It's not necessary. But it could just justify your reasons. It's fun to justify your reasons. It it might justify your reasons, but it also might make you just keep holding on. Next, don't try to create an ideal you, which goes back to this whole thing where people only post the pictures of them looking their best or when they're the happiest. No one posts when they're fighting with their husband. Well, wait a minute, though. I think that they don't fight post when they're fighting with their husbands. But you know Bob Ross, Deep Thoughts and of all that stuff? The, no, deep, Bob Ross is not, not Deep Bob Thoughts. Ross. He's, <laughs> the, he's a fluffy cloud. Fluffy clouds. Okay. Who is it? Uh, Jack Hat. Oh, Handy. 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 Like, deep Thoughts. Such Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. Yeah, yeah. Deep Thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I start seeing someone who has never posted Jack Handy, Deep Thoughts, <laughs> post Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy, I know one- they're going to get divorced. Two, they are selling their house and all their possessions and moving away, or they are going to take their life. 
that those are the three things that I tend to think when I see those deep thoughts. So I don't think that that's showing our best self, but I also don't think that we show the in-between. I would never post just me sitting around watching TV or eating a bowl of chips and salsa. That's not that exciting. And I certainly don't want people to think that's all I do. I just don't think it's that interesting. I want, when I post something, it's usually for work or for a certain perception of who we are. I think if you wanted the perception of who we are to be as close to reality as humanly possible, you would post you eating chips and salsa with a big glass of wine (laughs) and a half empty bottle. Yeah, with not sucking in, you know. I mean, what do you mean not usually, you know, when I take a picture to post, it's like I've got to stand a certain way. That's my best angle. I think anytime people do duck faces. Duck face. That's terrible. All right. Something you shouldn't do. Poke fun of or respond to something angrily. That I agree with. Absolutely. I also think you shouldn't post while consuming alcoholic beverages in sufficient quantity to make your filtering mechanism less or ganja. I think you should not post or respond. Well, so here's the difference, though, because when I drink, I'm so I love everybody. So I actually respond more when I've had a drink or two because normally I don't respond. As you know, I'm not the best responder in the world. You feel that that helps like lubricate you for not only social situations, but social media situations. Absolutely. To me, it's the same. Do not have important conversations on the social medias. Pick up the damn phone or go to someone's house. What about text? If it's longer than a few lines, pick up the phone or meet for coffee. I do think that I tend to swap important conversations into the form of a question. And I think that if I was to give a plug for curiosity or apply curiosity and how to use that to better document your life or to better respond to situations that are documented of other people's lives, I think anytime you can turn something into a question instead of a statement or an opinion, my question to you is, should you? (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there? Yeah. (laughs) This ratio of documenting to experiencing life has been researched and there is an actual number that is the optimal number for the ratio between documenting and experiencing life. And from deep within the laboratories of highly prestigious research universities. (laughs) Wait, what was it called? P-U. <laughs> no, that was prestigious university. No, this wasn't done at P-U. This oh, it was, wasn't? No, no, this was not a P- This was a sort of fact that was gathered from many, many P-U's. Oh, graduates of P-U's. Graduates of P-U's <laughs> and many, 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 many P-U's. Prestigious universities, plural. They found that the exact <laughs> oh, optimal ratio of documenting to experiencing life was 37. <laughs> Say it again. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's curiosity bite. Two, in order to avoid missing curiosity bitten conversations, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, 
and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things applied curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to AppliedCuriosityLab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.